Hey everybody, welcome back to Stuff You Don't Need to Know. This is Jay, and, uh, you know, just kind of taking a look at uh, the nerd landscape as of late over these past few years. I mean, this is definitely sort of like the high time, the golden era. Um, Really just a great time to be a nerd. Uh, You know, comic book movies uh, have been around for a good long while now, and really... You know, especially with Marvel uh, these last uh, 10 years, with everything they did leading up to Infinity War and Endgame. I mean, comic book films, nerd culture has really been riding an all-time high. Uh, you have superhero shows on uh, DC, you know, um, Marvel's coming out with a streaming service, Disney Marvel. Uh, you know, they're planning on doing some comic book related things there uh the cw has their shows on as well uh more movies to come so i mean this is really really a great time but you know what kids wasn't always like that already you know there was a time you know if you if you look at the the comics right they they always talk about the 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 golden age of comics and uh the silver age of comics and uh you know, sort of like the the Renaissance and uh, you know the big boom and everything uh, that happened back in the late '80s into the early '90s. Uh, you know, let's not forget that. You know, right now, you know, this might be the golden age of comic book movies, but it wasn't always like that. Uh, you know, way back when, uh, all the way back, uh, you know, '80s, uh, well into the '90s. Uh, I guess we can call that the uh, the Copper Age, maybe, or the uh, Zinc Age of comic book films. really wasn't great. The landscape really, really wasn't that great. So, uh, you know, over the next couple of episodes, uh, I'm going to be taking a look back. Back when I was growing up, uh, loving the comic books, loving the cartoon shows, uh, and any time that there was a comic book movie out... Uh, I patronized it, you know, I went there, I supported it, I loved it, even though they were really, really bad, and I'm going to be talking about a really, really bad one today. The thing is, is this this one really wasn't that far back, I mean, all the way back in 1997, we got Steel. Yep, I'm going to be talking about Steel today. Now, here's the reason, you know, a couple of reasons why I'm going to talk about it. And over the next couple of weeks, talk about kind of like, like I said, this so-called copper age of, uh, you know, comic book films and and, and and even attempts on TV, because there were some attempts on TV. Uh, you know, really back, back in the 90s, you know, comic books were booming. There, of course, was a big bust. You know, the bubble did burst at one point, and uh, comic book sales just plummeted. But, you know, comic books were starting to really kind of find their their niche. I mean, they were still, don't get me wrong, they were still very, very nerdy. I mean, you were not standing around the water cooler going, hey, did you guys read the latest action comics? Did you guys read the latest detective comics? Hey, what do you think's going on, uh, you know, in the Extinction Agenda there over a uh, big crossover in the Xbox? Nah, eh, you weren't really talking about that. You had to sort of pick and choose, you know, who you were talking to about that. And, you see, and that's the thing is, is when we look back 10 years ago and uh, we look at Iron Man, which started off the whole Marvel craze, um, the thing with that is, is you got legitimate actor in Robert Downey Jr. You had Terrence Howard there. Uh, you're really... 
you really you made a film that yeah it's going to appeal to the comic book guys it's going to appeal to the nerds absolutely but it's also going to appeal to your average moviegoer people that like action films perhaps or you know robert downey jr fans you know they they really uh you know comic book films nowadays are accepted uh you know black panther was was nominated for an academy award i mean back when tim burton made batman yeah you're not nominating that for an academy award you know it's 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 a kid's film it's a comic book film we, we, we don't nominate that for a Saturn award or something, you know, don't, don't even talk about that. Eh, maybe we'll give you a visual effects or some costumes or maybe a score or something like that. But we're, we're, we're not talking uh, best actor, uh, best actress, director, you know, no, nah, we're not doing that. That that's comic books. That's nerd stuff. That's kid stuff. And that's, and that's really what it was back then. So, you know, as a voracious comic book reader and and watcher of animated shows whenever there was any kind of comic book film out there i would go to it even even if i knew in the bottom of my heart before i got to the theater that the film i was about to see was absolute garbage i still had to go because i felt if i didn't go and i didn't plunk down my six to ten dollars whatever the ticket prices were back then uh you know studios are just not going to do this anymore and this is probably my one and only chance to really support this stuff and get comic book films out there um so i you know i feel that by suffering through films like batman and robin and steel uh you guys got you know the whole marvel tale you know the infinity gauntlet tale so you're welcome uh no i know it didn't really go down like that but um the reason i picked steel is because I really think that this is really, this film was really kind of the epitome of this so-called, you know, and I'm the one labeling it. I didn't read this anywhere. You know, this, this copper age of comic book films, um, you know, on the surface, you know, comic book readers knew who steel was who who john henry irons was uh you know your your average movie goer your average person didn't know who steel was uh what they were seeing was uh shaquille o'neal uh who was you know i mean he was an incredibly popular basketball player back then and uh you know they were seeing him kind of dressing up almost like a knight maybe running around with a hammer like it's like what are we doing like it doesn't make sense i mean again comic book fans knew who steel was non-comic book fans had no clue and you know the big difference between that and iron man because you know again iron man hardcore comic book films uh sorry hardcore hardcore comic book fans know who iron man is you know my wife she doesn't know who iron man is she knows who robert Downey jr is uh you know she likes action films uh but she has no iron man she has no thor she has no captain america she doesn't know these people like she, she really doesn't even i'm gonna be honest even after watching these films you know and she watched them all from iron man all the way to end game you know i'll give her credit uh and she enjoyed for the most part she enjoyed just about all of them uh you know and she she has characters that she likes but it's it's all based on the movies uh you know th- the thing is, is you look at the marvel stuff is they stayed they they tried to stay as close as close as they could to the comics but also try to tell stories that would appeal to a mass audience uh i said it before and i'll say it again uh i think the best marvel film ever is winter soldier 
and, you know, take the shield away from Steve Rogers, you know, take the bionic arm away from Bucky Barnes, and you have a pretty good spy film that would rival, you know, the Mission Impossible films and the Bourne films. I mean, really, it would, it would blow it away. Um, you, you know, it's just you're, you're adding in those comic book elements, and there's your appeal. So the problem was is, is, is back in the, in the uh, late 80s, uh, all throughout the 90s, and even into the early 2000s, these films were coming out, and the filmmakers had no idea what they were doing with them. Uh, you had source material. You know, the comics were there. But it's almost sort of like the people responsible for putting these films out there were not comic book people at all. Um, you know, maybe they read these titles, or, you know, maybe they were avid or, or, or semi-fans of comic books, but they just could not translate it well. And, I mean they really failed on so many fronts it's not funny and steel is just a perfect example of that because you look at steel you have shaquille o'neal in there you know and like i said shaquille o'neal uh was a very popular athlete at the time i'm gonna say that nowadays he's a much more popular personality than he was back then in 97 i mean people knew who he was he was out there you know he was rapping he was uh you know appearing in some commercials this or that he was he was a lovable guy i think nowadays he is a larger than life personality and i'm a huge fan of shaquille o'neal um you know when he played basketball did i like him yeah he was a great basketball player absolutely um But he's such a great personality now because when you see him in anything that he does, you know, if he's doing the Icy Hot commercials, if he's doing the the general uh, auto insurance there where he's, you know, appearing in a commercial with a computer computer graphic generated general, uh, he's having fun. He's legitimately having fun. He's having a good time. He loves to be entertaining. And I think he just really loves to appeal to really just about any any demographic across the country and i really think he does um and the thing is 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 when you watch this film back in 97 and you know when i saw this film way back when it was a bad film it really was and upon rewatch i discovered something it's still a very bad film but you really saw sort of the beginnings of um you really saw the beginnings of like that dynamic Shaquille O'Neal personality. Um, well, I'm really sorry about that. I don't know. I just kind of got lost in my thoughts there. But like I said, I, I really think that you really saw the seeds kind of sown there for the dynamic, boisterous personality that was Shaquille O'Neal. Um, he, you know, unfortunately, though, for a film like this, he's not the right choice. I mean, he, he's really not. Uh, if you want to do a comic book film and you want it to be taken seriously and you, you, you want people to go out and see it, you have to find somebody that could really play the character. Now, you know, Steele, John Henry Irons, uh, African-American gentleman. He is a large, large man, a, a, a giant muscular man. Uh there had to be more than just Shaquille O'Neal out there to, to play this role. Now, granted, look, you know, Shaquille O'Neal, I mean, famously, he, he has, you know, the Superman shield tattooed, um, you know, steel, you know, he, this, this is something that he wanted to do, obviously, you know, he, he wanted to play this character. He really felt he could do it. But the thing is, is if, is if you're 
want people to take comic book films seriously, you have to kind of say, you know, Shaquille, I love you. You're a great guy. You just, you can't do this. I'm sorry. Uh, you know, and when you watch this film, it, the, the big reason why is, let's not forget, Shaquille O'Neal was seven feet tall, seven foot one. I don't believe there are a lot of seven foot, seven foot one African American stuntmen out there that would even remotely resemble Shaquille O'Neal. Every action scene here, every, you know, him in the suit, running, fighting, everything, it is Shaquille O'Neal. Okay? It's not a stuntman. It's not, you know, it is him. And yes, he was in the prime of his career. He's an athlete. He's not going to be doing heroic superhero type moves. Um, You know, there's many scenes of him in this running and you could see that he is just lumbering. I mean, he's seven foot one, you know, 275, 85, maybe he's even close to 300 pounds. Um, You you know, he's just not going to be agile and limber to pull off being a believable superhero. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, Plus two, you know, the, the thing is, is, okay, not only do you want to try to appeal to, to all the moviegoers out there, if you're putting down a comic book film, you have to appeal to the comic book fans. And if you take the source material and barely use it, well, you're going to really turn off the comic book fans. Now, Steel was a character that came out during the death of Superman. Uh, you know, that was a huge comic book event way back in the 90s. Uh, Doomsday, Superman, they fight it out. Superman dies. Right after that, we get the rise of the Superman. Uh, we get Cyborg Superman, uh, the Eradicator. Uh, we get, uh, you know, Superman's clone, who was 90s Superboy, as I love to call him. Uh and you got Steel. And Steel, again, you know, Steel was uh, John Henry Irons. Uh, he was an engineer, steel worker. And, uh, you know, in the aftermath of Superman dying, uh, he saw a massive rise of crime in his neighborhood, and he had to do something about it. You know, he, he, he really felt that he had to do something to, to, to kind of step up. Superman is gone now. You know, one of our major enforcers of, of justice is gone. And, you know, the remaining heroes are really trying to struggle to fill that void. So, you know, using, you know, using his engineering background and his steelworking background, uh, he basically put together a powered suit of armor and he became steel. Uh, what we get here in this film is, is Shaquille O'Neal plays uh, John Henry Irons, who is a weapons designer in the military. Okay, that's, that, that's fine. Um, and really what we get is that he uh, is designing non-lethal weapons. Um, so why he's working in the military, I-, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe there is a division, a non-lethal division in the military. Whatever. It doesn't make sense. But, you know, he's designing the, the, these weapons, uh, sonic-based weapons and energy-based weapons, um, super magnets, whatnot, things to really just try to take out the enemy uh, really without killing and, and limiting casualties and, and, and uh, civilian damage, of course. You know, it's a very noble thing. Uh, and what we get in it is is every, every other character in this film is completely original. There's no ties to the comic at all. I think what was going to happen with this film was 
This was also right around the time when they were trying to put together the Death of Superman film, which was going to star Nicolas Cage, and and really kind of try to reflect the the events that happened in the comic, uh, with Superman dying, uh, other sort of Superman rising, and this was going to kind of be a spinoff. Steel was going to be a spinoff of that, you know, in that void left left over uh, from the death of Superman. Uh, all these other heroes were going to kind of step up and, and try to take on the Superman mantle in their own way. Uh, we saw it in the comic books, you know, uh, when um, John Henry Irons makes his steel suit. Uh, he puts the he puts the Superman logo right on the chest. He wears a Superman cape. And, you know, that's sort of his way of honoring Superman. There's no mention of Superman. There's no mention of really any of the DC heroes here, except for the fact that um, we do see in the background in a scene we see a Batman and Robin uh, video game uh, based on that incredible Batman and Robin movie Uh, so clearly you know Batman, Robin Superman it's fiction in this universe in this steel universe so we're just really completely getting away from that Um, you know again his origin might be a little bit different than the comic books but you know you don't have the death of Superman to play off of that's absolutely fine but here's the thing like I said, uh, it, it, it's just, it's it's really, except for the fact that he calls himself Steel and he's kind of sort of in a suit of armor and, uh, you know, his secret identity is John Henry Irons. Really, aside from that, it's nothing like the comics at, at all in no way, shape, or form. And so it's, it's, it's already, you have a laughable story, a laughable script, uh, you have Shaquille O'Neal, who is a dynamic personality, and he really does his best in here. Uh, you know, he's, he's if you want somebody to come in and ham it up and cheese it up a bit, be a bit of a goofball, have fun, a fun type of comedy, give Shaquille O'Neal a call, he's your guy. If you're trying to make a superhero film and you're trying to appeal to superhero fans, comic book fans and a wider audience in general, then you don't get Shaquille O'Neal for this role. Um, like I said, I love Shaquille O'Neal. I love the stuff he does nowadays. Uh, I love seeing him pop up every once in a while on Fresh Off the Boat. Absolutely hysterical. Um, this year I've been playing NBA 2K19. Uh, he makes a lot of appearances in that. I mean, again, you know, it's motion captured. It's his voice. Very, very funny. Uh, you know, any commercial that he's in, you know, any any type of really just fun-loving role that he's in. Even, you know what, look, I hated the Parenthood 2 movie, but, you know, him coming in there, you know, playing the cop, playing Tim Meadows' little brother and everything. I mean, he was funny. He was having fun. He was being goofy and silly. These are the roles for Shaquille O'Neal. Give the give give him all these roles till the cows come home. But if you're trying to make a halfway legitimate, decent, passable superhero film, Shaq, I'm sorry. Maybe we can put you in a supporting role or something. You're just you 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 can't be steel. Um, it's just like I said in all the action sequences, it's Shaquille O'Neal pulling them off, and. Being seven foot one, being in this costume, he's going to be very, very limited, and it's really going to show. You know, no matter what, no matter how you try to hide it with camera angles and whatnot, it's really going to show that he's really not very super. Um, and like I said, the story in this, it's just, it's laughable. I am not a writer by any stretch of the means, but 
I think I could take a crack at it and, and come up with something a little bit better than this. So basically, like I said in the film, John Henry Irons, uh, he's a non-lethal weapons designer for the military. Uh, Annabeth Gish plays his partner, uh, who they call Sparky. Annabeth Gish, uh, you know, she, uh, when um, Mulder and Scully, when they kind of left uh, the X-Files there for a while, uh, she kind of stepped in uh, along with uh, Robert Patrick, I believe. They kind of uh, were different FBI agents that came in. Um, she's kind of had bit parts here and there. Uh, she's in this film, like I said, she's sort of like, you know, also a tech person. She's designing these weapons. Uh, Sparky is her name. And you get Judd Nelson as the villain. Uh, Judd Nelson. Uh, you know... He was a member of the Brat Pack in the 80s. You know, probably his most famous role was John Bender in The Breakfast Club. When I watched The Breakfast Club back then, and I was in high school at the time when I watched The Breakfast Club, I didn't like Judd Nelson. I didn't like his character, John Bender. I thought he was an incredible jerk. And he's an incredible jerk in this film as well. Uh, Basically what happens is is they're demonstrating these non-lethal weapons to a senator. Um... And the senator kind of doesn't, she doesn't really seem all that impressed. Like, man, this is not really non-lethal. It's not really doing much. You know, I, I don't know. I guess she wants blood guts. I don't know what she's looking for. And Judd Nelson is like, listen, I can crank these weapons. I could show you what these weapons can do. So they're they're just, they're like in this abandoned town and doing all these different tests. And they're going to test a, a sonic cannon. And, uh, you know, here's the thing is there's a power setting on it. It's like a little lever that you kind of slide back and forth, and there's, like, uh, LED lights that go along with it uh, that kind of show the power level, and Judd Nelson is just like, "Ah, I'll demonstrate this here weapon, and he gets up there and sort of, like, gives a sneaky look to the senator, like, watch this, and he flips the switch so it goes from green to red. Oh, no, this doesn't look good. What kind of weapons test is this where it's just like, well, yeah, we got this here weapon here. Uh, How about I fire it and show you what it could do? Um, You know, there's really no structure to it uh he basically cranks it up all the way which is what which is if that's a dangerous level if that's a dangerous setting shack why'd you build it into the weapon cap the power off at a safe at a safe power level you know don't 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 be like yeah when it's in the green we're good but if you go past that it's dangerous so whatever you do don't slide that lever up no how about don't build that feature in there shack but Judd Nelson cranks it all the way up. He fires it at a building. Uh, the building pretty much disintegrates. Uh, the shockwave rebounds back onto them because they're inside a, like a, like an abandoned factory, and he's firing it at, at an abandoned factory that is looks like it is literally across the street. So you see the sound wave reflect back on them. Half the building caves in. Uh, Sparky gets trapped underneath it. Uh, her legs are crushed. The Senator is killed. Uh, and this is where we see another really big break from the comics. Now in the comics, like I said, John Henry Irons is a big man and he's a strong man, but he is not superhuman at all. All his powers and abilities come from his suit. The steel suit is not really an Iron Man suit. It's like a powered suit of armor. You know, it protects him. Uh, it enhances his strength, his speed, his endurance. Uh, he has rocket boots in it so he can fly. Uh, in the film, apparently Shaquille O'Neal is Superman because, like I said, half the building kind of collapses on top of them. Uh, Sparky is trapped underneath and Shaq basically lifts up this huge slab of concrete so she can come free. 
uh, we have a, a, a military trial where Shaq pretty much says, yeah, Judd Nelson, you know, messed up. He, he set the power level too high and he killed that there senator. And they were like, oh, Judd Nelson, guess what? You're out of the military, man. You're, you're gone. The guy killed a senator. Uh, he basically went rogue. He did whatever he wanted on this test, which really seemed to be no structure. He gets kicked out of the military? Really? Uh, not only that, Shaq goes, you know what? I'm totally disgusted with all this. I'm quitting the military, which apparently you could just do. You can go to the general and be like, general, I'm out. You know, I'm going, I'm going back to LA, man. Um, and he leaves that life behind him. Uh, Sparky goes off to the hospital, goes off to rehab. She will be in a wheelchair for the rest of her life. Um, it's kind of, you know, they don't really, we don't really know, you know, did she have a spinal cord injury where her legs completely crush it? basically something like that. Uh, so Shaq kind of bids that life goodbye. Judd Nelson is like, well, I'm kicked out of the military, but you know what? Uh, I got all the plans for all these weapons, which again, ha- how? If this is military stuff, how, how does he have access to all this stuff? He's like, yeah, I'm going to hook up with a friend of mine and uh, I'm going to sell these here weapons. Uh, this 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 shady criminal type guy uh, makes video games or he owns video arcades or something. Uh, and basically what we see is, uh, you know, he sets up Judd Nelson in a lab to develop these weapons and he takes uh, the... the the plans and the knowledge of, of uh, John Henry Irons, and he, of course, modifies them to make them uh, more lethal, uh, more powerful, and, uh, you know, it gets distributed out through his friend there, and basically what they do is, uh, you know, those video game machines, uh, well, they open it up, and they stick a couple of guns in there, and it's like, ha-ha, now we're gonna ship them out, and no one's the wiser, and I'm thinking, okay, uh, you could fit two, three of them, um, you know, you're, you're not wrapping them in anything. You're just they're just kind of sliding them in there, hanging them in there. You're not worried they're going to accidentally go off, like as you're transporting them. Um, you know, okay, you're going to ship it to an arcade, and then the the people that are going to buy it are going to come. Lay- I, I I don't understand this business plan. It's it's just it's very '90s though. This is very very '90s. You know, yeah, we're going to smuggle it out in arcade games. Sure, why not? Uh, so, you know, John Henry Irons, he goes back to his L.A. neighborhood there. Uh, we get a little fun thing here as he's, as he's coming back. He's seeing everybody in the streets and everything and uh, goes by a basketball court. Ball rolls out there and they're like, you know, hey, Shaq, man, come on, you know, shoot it. And, you know, he shoots it and he completely misses because Shaq couldn't make free throws. And he's laughing. Ha ha, I could never make those free throws. And, and you know what? I love it because that was always a big knock on Shaquille O'Neal, uh, you know, uh, defending against Shaq, uh, especially you know, really at the height of his uh, of, uh, of his physical abilities when he was just an unstoppable force. Uh, they developed the technique. Teams would do a thing called hack a Shaq, which basically was towards the end of a game, especially if it was a close game. As soon as Shaq got the ball, you would just foul him. Just foul him. Make sure he can't dunk or or or, or put in a little layup. Uh, foul him because the second he gets to that free throw line, it he's missing. It's like he's missing those shots. And you know, whatever team he's on, Orlando or, uh, you know, L.A. or wherever he was at the time, they're, they're just not scoring. So if it's a close game, 
foul the crap out of Shaquille O'Neal because he cannot shoot free throws. But he's got a good sense of humor about it. You know, he pretty much makes fun of that right here in the movie. Like, ha, ha, I can't shoot them free throws. Uh, you know, he goes back, uh, goes back to his, I believe it's his grandmother's house. Um, get a little side story here. The grandma uh, is trying to combine soul food with French cuisine uh, throughout the entire movie. She's trying to make a souffle. Uh, and if you ever watched, like, uh, film or TV uh, around this time, like, apparently... Uh, if you make too much noise around a souffle, it collapses. I, I don't know. I don't cook, so I have no idea if this is true or not. So that's her whole big thing. She's always trying to make a souffle. Like, Shaq comes home. Like, he's home from the military. And everybody's like, shh, shh. Mama's making a souffle. Like, don't don't make too much noise or, or it'll collapse. Okay, that's happening. Uh, so he has a friend, a female friend, who is a cop. And it's like, you know, hey, why don't you do a ride along? All right. He's doing a ride along and he's sitting there and we witness a bank robbery and he sees his weapons being used. Uh, he tries to stop them. Uh, you know, basically just as Shaq, uh, you know, no armor, no weapons, no nothing. And he knows what his weapons can do. And he goes after them. And eh, I get it. He's sort of like, wait, why are my designs out here on the street? You know, this, this isn't right. Um, he calls the general, the one who he pretty much said, you know, I'm quitting the military. And he's like, well, son, I'm uh, going to miss you, but I get it. And he calls the general and he's like, yeah, you know, my weapons are out on the street. And he's like, what? No, they're not. You're crazy, man. Uh, sure. You know, let's not look into that at all. Uh, he decides, look, I got to take matters into my own hands. Like he, he actually goes and confronts the gang. Like he knows what gang did it. He goes there again as Shaquille O'Neal with nobody backing him up, no weapons, no armor, no nothing. Where'd you get those guns? You tell me. We ain't telling you nothing. Um, how he just didn't get shot here. I don't know. Uh, and he's like, oh, I got to take matters in my own hands. So uh, I, I, I got to combat this. I got to get my weapons off the streets. So uh, I got to start designing armor and weapons of my own and become a vigilante. But you know what? I need Sparky. So he heads off to the military hospital where Sparky is. And we see her kind of sitting there in her wheelchair, just staring out, you know, uh, just glum and everything. And he pretty much comes in and he's just like, what are you, what are you doing? He's staring out the window. Nah, this is, this isn't any good. He smashes the window. And that's the thing is, 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 is he, he demonstrates incredible feats of strength throughout this film. It's like, and nobody's questioning it, lifting like a massive slab of concrete, uh, pretty much taking out like a, a huge window pane in a hospital, like knocking it out, like the entire frame, like everything, just big hole in the wall. Uh, and nobody's sort of like, you know, uh, is this guy an alien or is he like a mutant or something? Like, yeah, he's a big guy, but he should not be knocking walls over like with a single punch. He pretty much kidnapped Sparky uh, from this military hospital. Uh, and here's the thing. So he knocked out the window there. So you think he's going to pick her up and jump out the window or step out the window? Uh, kind of like uh, the ending of one, Th- one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. No, he picks up her wheelchair and walks to the elevator and, and, and leaves. I don't know why he just doesn't wheel her. I mean, obviously she's protesting this or that. So he takes her back to his uh, secret lab, his secret base, which is uh, owned by his Uncle Joe. It is a junkyard. Why not? Uh, you know, and uh, basically they set upon making the steel suit, which, again, in the comics, it was a powered suit of armor. It was a massive suit of armor. It encased John Henry Irons from head to toe. Um and basically, you know, the, the, the motors and everything in it enhanced his strength, enhanced his speed. Uh, he had the power of flight. He had rocket boots in it. This is basically a suit of armor. And there's no mechanical parts to it at all. He basically becomes a knight in shining armor. 
Um, in the comics, like I said, it's total enclosure. So pretty much like Iron Man, you know, Steel has a, a helmet. It kind of has a likeness of John Henry Irons on it, you know, like a, a face on it. Uh, Shax is sort of like a very bad version of like Captain America's helmet. Um, and that's the thing is, you know, y- you see him sort of fighting crime and people are shooting at him and he's like, ha ha ha. Uh, a good part of your face is uncovered. Your hands are uncovered. Uh, sort of like the joint areas, like the elbows and, uh, underneath the shoulder and the knees. There's really no protection there. Uh, I wouldn't exactly be like kind of laughing there and standing there. You're not completely invulnerable, Shaq. Um, and he decides to uh, to get his weapons off the street, and uh, you know we find he finds out that Judd Nelson is is the one he's selling them, and there's going to be a big it's going to be a big uh, arms sale. Uh, they're going to sell these weapons to, uh, and we see the people looking at it. Uh, we see generic sort of like Arab type terrorists. We see sort of generic Asian type mafioso. Uh, we see sort of generic Nazis, uh, and they find out all about this through the internet. Now back in ninety seven the internet like nobody knew what the internet was you know like here in the movie it's like a big secret it's like how are they how are they going to sell these weapons how are people going to know about them the internet sparky hacks the internet she figures out where it's going down uh and basically what they're doing is uh again old abandoned warehouse they're going to auction everything off uh to all these sort of generic bad people uh steel shows up uh he gets captured and uh you know he's there with his hammer now that's the other thing is in the comics uh his hammer is huge it's massive he uses it as a weapon here it looks like a giant sledgehammer and if you see the sledgehammer the head of it is not very big at all and he doesn't swing it at anybody or hit anybody with it or knock anything over it basically houses his sort of non-lethal weapons. So why don't you just make a gun like you had in the beginning that had all the attachments to it? He steal. He needs his hammer. Uh, he tricks Judd Nelson into activating his hammer, which activates a, a powerful magnet, which strips the weapons off of everybody and returns the hammer back to him. Uh, we do get another funny scene where he gets trapped in a room and a guy throws a hand grenade in there and they're like, quick, take that hand grenade and, and throw it through like that hole in the ceiling there. He's like, oh man, I can't make free throws. He did this time. Shaq nailed it. He makes the free throw. Uh, they stop Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson does get killed. Uh, they get the weapons off the street. Uh, he then calls uh, the general who didn't believe him. Uh, he poses as Steel. He uses a little voice uh, changer thing to make himself sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, and basically says, you know, if you need me, I'll be around. And, uh, you know, that's what we get. Uh, one of the things that we see throughout the film is clearly, uh, you know, Shaq and Sparky are very, very good friends. They're very, very close. You would almost sort of say that there might be some romantic tension going on there, especially at the end. Uh, at the end, you know, like I said, uh, Sparky had modified her wheelchair. So in the big fight at the end, uh, she's got guns coming out of it. She's got a rocket engine on the back. Uh, so at the end, she shows uh, Shaq how she's really modified it. And it basically helps her stand and kind of alludes to the fact that it might help her sort of walk a bit, almost like a sort of, sort of like a, a powered back brace type thing or something like that and again look Shaq is seven foot one so when she stands up she barely goes past his waist but the positioning of it and everybody's sort of reaction is sort of like oh oh they're gonna hook up they're gonna get together which would have been cool because they were really good friends throughout the whole thing I mean she was there for him he was there for her 
I guess we were just not ready for that yet. They just sort of hug it out, like Ari Gold would say on uh, on Entourage. They hug it out, and the film ends. And yeah, I mean, it's a disaster. It's a horrible film. It's a really, really bad film. So, you know, nowadays, when you get these great, awesome Marvel movies, and maybe one or two of them don't really meet your expectations, look, you could have been watching Steel, okay? Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I uh, post pictures of the stuff that I talk about. I will throw up a poll there every once in a while. This is Jay, and I will talk to you guys later.